You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE. How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And I'm here with Senor Diaz and Sackman with the best sports talk show in the country. Uh, as you can tell, Sackman is very excited about that. Uh, if you guys don't follow us on Instagram, uh, we recently this weekend uh, won the best sports talk show award at the IBS uh, National Awards. That's a super huge honor. We wanted to thank everybody that voted for us. Uh, everybody at the IBS conference, it was a lot of fun. I was able to go to New York for that and represent us. It was a fun time, um, and we came home with the win. Uh, it's, like I said, huge honor. Super proud of these guys. You know, we we literally started this three months ago, yep. and here we are. So it's, it's a super cool, um, and we can only get better from here. So Honestly, and I mean, we talked about it a little bit at the house. Um, you know, we sent in a clip. Um, of our show. I mean, Chuck did, you know, he got it done for us and whatever. And, you know, we made it to the top five and then eventually won it and, you know, beat out a bunch of division one schools that probably had way more resources than us. And, you know, we came out on top, but, um, like he said, we only get better from here. Um, that clip he sent in wasn't even as good as these shows we've been doing the past couple weeks. And I mean, we're going to go back to back. That's, that's simple. Um, Drake. (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're honestly going to go back to back. I mean, we have, we got a lot to look forward to coming up. We got a lot of stuff to cover, and I mean, it's just going to get better from here. This is a win for the Jays. Yes, it is. Huge win for the Jays. Uh, talking about getting better, let's uh, start off with this episode here today. We got a great show for you guys. We're going to start off talking about the NBA, go into NCAA as we get closer to March Madness here. We got another food battle for you guys. Uh, after the food battle, we're going to take a quick break, talk about the XFL, uh, and then we got a couple drafts talking about uh, NFL draft combine, and we have a draft to do with that. Uh, and then maybe if we have some time at the end, we'll talk a little baseball with you guys for that. Spring training has started to get underway here. To start off, we want to talk about the NBA. Uh, let's start off talking about the Chicago Bulls. Exactly. What's gotten into these guys? Patrick Beverly is just a generational talent. Well, I mean... One of the things that we've been missing this year, obviously, is Lonzo. We needed a point guard that could really set the tone defensively. And through these two and a half games that we've now watched, I mean, the Bulls have held two teams back-to-back under 90 points, which I used to think is pretty impressive. You know, uh, for the first time all year, DeMar and Levine are playing well at the same time. Fusevich is playing a little more inside and shooting less. We demoted Patrick Williams, which I know makes Josh very happy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the best they've looked. They have won two in a row. They're now only a half game out of the 10th seed. Uh, hopefully this continues tonight with a win against Toronto. If we do that, I think we'll be in good shape. Um, with the way this team has been playing, what, what do you think is the ceiling of this team now? I mean, I know it's only been two games since last episode when we were ragging on them for being awful, but, I mean, is it unfair to say that we should be excited? No, it's not unfair at all. I think we should be very excited and, like, like Sackley said, you know, with Lonzo out and not having that defensive, you know, defensive key out and having him be able to put pressure on everything, Beverly just kind of is an amplified version of that. And I feel like these past two games, his <clears throat> presence defensively and sometimes offensively have been uh, really, really helpful for us because he can actually spread the floor a bit better and actually push the ball. And 
we talked a little bit about it with how Sackley uh, pointed out that, um, you know, uh, Pat Bev is actually kind of... Um, he's a lesser version of Lonzo. N- not only that, but he's actually, like, teaching Io. Yeah. Like, he's taking him under his wing and, like, teaching him how to be, like, a an actual point guard in the NBA, you know? and Chicago that, guy to Chicago guy. Yeah, and that's something that's, like, really great to see because, in my opinion, Desumu is the future of the Bulls. I feel like they're going to hold on to him for as long as uh, they can until, you know, he gets better and greater at the game and wants the money and, obviously, with all of that stuff going on. But I feel like having a guy like Pepev take him under his wing is really going to help shape, you know, the future for us. I mean, even though we got someone like AK up in the office and him making horrible decisions here and not here and there almost all the time, (laughs) um, and it hurts us a lot, I feel like having an experienced guy like himself, uh, Patrick Beverly, is really going to help us a lot. And I think in these last two games, it, it showed. It showed why we brought him on. It shows that... He has the impact that Lonzo had, but at a greater amount, you know, because, I mean, what, we won the first game he played, we won, what, by 42? Yeah, that was the best performance we've seen. Against, the against Brooklyn, who we had just lost to 116-105, to 105, yeah, I believe. They're not the same team they were, but they're also not a bad team. Like, yeah, that, no, that Brooklyn's still probably not even going to be in the play mm-hmm. Like, they're probably going to be a six seed. Yeah, like, they're, Brooklyn's still a good team without the superstars like Durant and Kyrie. And it's good to see because you lose all that talent, but you still bring in a lot of talent with all the trading and whatever. And, like, Cam Thomas is good. Dimwitty is really good. So Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges. Yeah, so, I mean, it's still a good Brooklyn team, but to beat them like that was insane, you know? And that wasn't something we expected for his first game in Chicago, which was crazy. And um, and then what against the Wizards we held them to under ninety points again like it's it like this is a good type of momentum we need and this is something we've talked about in the past essentially going back to baseball football whatever is that this type of momentum needs to like continue for us because I feel like from here on it's only up I feel like we'll have our small bumps in the road with a loss here and there but if we can continue to not block teams by 42 or whatever, but actually beat teams that we're supposed to beat, we're going to make this play-in, and we're going to make the playoffs. The only thing it really gives me, like, I think the the max ceiling of this team is they win a first-round appearance. What gives me hope about that is they, for whatever reason, have winning records against Milwaukee, uh, Boston. Even they beat Philly for the first time in a while this year as well. I mean, if we can get in... Say maybe like you know the sixth or seventh seed, we go against like a Boston. I think we have a very good shot at winning that, that series. Would at least go six games. I mean, especially if Boston, you know, they're a little banged up right now. If that continues, we're not going to be Milwaukee. Milwaukee's just too good this year, even with an injured Giannis. But this team could, you know, if we get back in the playoffs, make playoffs for second straight year. We do get Lonzo back next year. We maybe reshape the team, let Vooch walk. We're not going to have a first-round pick unless it's somehow miraculously a top four, which that means we don't make the playoffs, so that's not going to happen. But who knows? If Levine wants out, maybe we trade him for a bunch of players, a bunch of assets. We then use that new cap space to go get someone. Who knows? Yeah. I, I, I don't want you know you guys to misunderstand us when we talk about Pat, Pat Bev. Pat Bev on the court has not been very good. No. 
No, not at all. It has been kind of a struggle for him on the court. But when you were, or when you as a fan were watching games, you know, three weeks ago, the energy that this Bulls the team had, is. they literally looks like a bunch of corpses walking out there. Yeah. Pat Beverly, for some reason, this team looks like they want to play basketball again. He just came into that locker room. He saw Levine with that sad face he has. <laughs> Tomorrow was talking about, you know, being sad. Vucevic was playing with his teddy bear. Caruso was, you know, thinking about going to Bosley. Pat Bev just walked in, and I don't know what he did. He maybe can't say it on air, but he got them going. Um, and the other thing is, I think the Bulls, what Billy Donovan was doing for so long was that he was just kind of going out there and saying, you know, you guys figure it out. Yeah. And what I think he's started doing now since the trade deadline is, no, we're going to have a set plan. Because you can see it more now. They look more under control as a team when they're on the court. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are getting a majority of the touches. Um, that's how it always should have been. Um, I thought in the first half of the season, Vucevic was getting way too many designed touches. Yeah. Um, you know, Patrick Williams was getting too many designed touches. These guys that should not be getting the ball as much as they were. And then now, since the trade deadline... Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are getting a majority of the touches. Nikola Vucevic is getting offensive rebounds and getting open when he needs to. His role has kind of diminished, but it's also where it needs to be for this team, for him to be at his best. And I know, like, a lot of people, and we were talking about this before the show a little bit, is that when you look at the box score, Nikola Vucevic looks like a really good player. He looks like an Mm all-star. 17-11-2, I think, is what he's averaging right now. Um. You know, that looks really good. But then when you watch him play, especially in that first half of the season, it doesn't look that good. It's very underwhelming. It's it's kind of a sad 17-11. It just kind of happens. And a lot of that was there was that month period where he was playing by himself. Um, but now that he's kind of taken that step back, he's able to expand a little bit more. Teams aren't going to focus on him at all. I think that was a little, another big issue is that teams were putting two guys on him when Zach and DeMar weren't playing or weren't shooting well. Um, now he's able to kind of – sneak around while those other two guys are supposed to take the attention like they like they are now um and then the other big thing is that patrick williams is on the bench i've been wanting this for a season and a half now he has not been anywhere near the player that people think he can be i don't understand this whole thing where he has to stay in the starting lineup for him to develop yeah he looks better off the bench exactly his first game off the bench he had 14 points so far tonight, he's got eight points. He's three or five from the field, two for two from the three-point line. I mean, I think that's when we were really good for that, you know, October to January 20th of last season. What we had was we had DeMar and Levine getting the majority of the touches. Vooch was a little less involved, but when he was involved, it was inside perimeter. We had a defensive-minded point guard that was facilitating. So now we got that because we're basically starting two point guards with Beverly and Caruso. Those those two combined, that it's kind of like a Lonzo and a half. Basically, yeah. So now we're kind of we're, we're, we kind of have the same formula, back to what we had last year. Pat Will's in like that Javante Green type of role. He's you know power forward, small forward off the bench. We got Drummond back, which I mean he's better than any backup center we had last year. I think they should still play Dalen Terry more because whenever he goes out there, he looks great. Even he had 11 points the other night against uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, if we just stay healthy, 
We continue to play defense like this. For whatever reason, somehow, since January 1st, we're the number one in the NBA in defense efficiency rating. That continues. We continue to make shots. We stay healthy and get a little healthier. Maybe get Javante Green back. We're not getting Lonzo back. But, you know, everyone else stays. You know, Caruso doesn't fly into a bridge like he usually does. Hmm. This could be a team that maybe does surprise some people and wins a playoff series, kind of like the, how the Hawks did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think this team, it reminds me a lot of that Hawks team in the way that with, in that first half of the season, it was just kind of Trey Young, go out there and do whatever you want. And then in that second half of the season, when they made that coaching change in Atlanta. Which is literally what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. It, it, they decided to have a plan for that team. They were like, okay. Trey Young is going to be mostly assisting. We're going to do the lobs to John Collins. And then the role players are just going to try to get open. And it wasn't all about Trey Young just shooting the ball. And now this is what we're seeing from the Bulls, is that it's a set plan. You want Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan to shoot the ball. That's it. Just have them do that. You want Vucevic to sit in the paint and get boards and be able to do what he does best, yeah. which is a post-centric center. Get to that right hand, a right hand hook, the drop steps, the little fadeaways. Get to that. No, no, no more iso ball. No, no more shoot, three trying to pointers. open threes. Like it's not him. He I, can't just because yeah. he can do it doesn't mean he should do it. He yeah. when he takes threes, he takes like these far threes. It's I'm fine with him. He's open, wide open in the corner, and he takes one or two little game. That's fine. But he's taking these where he gets it like the top of the key. He's like three feet behind the three point line, and he thinks he's like Steph Curry all of a sudden. Like these like moon balls. We don't we don't need that. We need him down low. Duncan getting putbacks, posting up, right-hand hook shots. That's what we need from him. And, like, I, I, I don't think the Bulls really understood that at first because you look at the teams around them, the Milwaukee Bucks. Brooke Lopez it does that. He goes and shoots threes, like, from three feet behind the three-point line. But that's because they don't need him in the paint. They yeah. have Giannis in the paint. They got Giannis, and they got Drew Holiday, who does, likes to get to the rim as well. And Brooke Lopez shoots 40% from three. He's been doing that for years. That's what he is. Even when he was with Brooklyn, he was taking those, like, because, you know, this is back in like 2012, he was taking those far two-pointers without jumping and just making them every time. That's what he's always done. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a guy that he can, but he doesn't do it a lot. Where he's going to drive past and dunk on you. He, give him that little set shot, the little three-pointer where he has all day to wind up. He's, he's going to make 45% of seven those. Seven feet tall, the people guarding him on the perimeter yeah. are probably six foot five half of the time because usually it's small forward or power forward switches onto him. But Vucevic doesn't need to do that. He's a much better post player than Brook yeah, Lopez. He's got so a lot use more moves, that. A lot more agility. Use that. Like why? Why would again? It was that going back to what I said. Just because he can do something, just because he has the ability to do something, doesn't mean you need him to do that. And I think they're finally figuring that out, and that's the same thing with like Patrick Williams. Is you know they're finding that role for him too. Off the bench, Patrick Williams doesn't have the pressure of starting anymore. And then he's going against other bench players in the league, other young guys that are more his, you know, speed right now. And hopefully as he continues to grow, he can get ramped back up to like a starting lineup spot. But at the same time, I don't think the Bulls should have be waiting for him to grow. And I think that, you know, he probably they probably missed their mark by not trading him at the deadline. Um, I think his value is going to drop because of being on the bench, but for all we know, that could be a good thing, I guess, because if he ends up being really good, maybe we can get him on a cheaper contract coming off the bench or something like that in the future. The next year for him is going to be year four. That's the ultimate make or break year. If he isn't at least doing what Kawhi Leonard did in his fourth year, which is like 15-5 and five a game, 
and he's not gonna he's not gonna turn out to what we think he is. He had some potential, but we kind of we we just botched his development. We this rookie year he didn't really have a role. Then we get all these other guys, and he's just standing in the corner, and he gets hurt. Of course, the broken hand that he had last year, missed the whole year. It's it's now or never. If he doesn't really show what he needs to show these last twenty games, I would probably trade him and Kobe this off season to get some more veterans. That's that's what I want. Yeah, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, going into this offseason, you were talking about it a little bit before about how the Bulls, if they play well in the second half of the season, that they should just go into, like, retooling mode. Yeah. What pieces do you think the Bulls need to move, maybe besides Patrick Williams and Kobe White, and then what pieces do you think the Bulls need to bring in? I think they need to let Vooch walk. We love you, Vooch, Vooch but time to go. We need a different style of player. Um, I, obviously, we'd get Lonzo back. Um Kobe and Pat Will would be gone. And the type of guys we need, we need three-point shooting. We're the worst percentage team in shooting in the NBA, and we take the least amount of threes as well. So we need more 3-and-D type guys, maybe like a like a Max Struess type of player, you know, uh, maybe like a Bogdanovich, someone like that. Wing, shoot more. We need a couple of those type players. Getting Lonzo back will help with that. Uh, center wise, I think we need like a like an inside like mi- kind of like a Mitchell. Rob- he won't be available, but like a Mitchell Robinson type, the guy that's really going to command the inside, going to stay on the inside while we let all our other guys. You know, Levine, if he still wants to stay, personally, I think he's going to request a trade. Which at that point, if he requests a trade, Vooch walks. At that point, I think we should just probably rebuild more so than retool. But if Levine wants to stay. We get more like a Mitchell Robinson type player, maybe like a Nick Claxton if he was available. Depends on what the Nets want to do, how the, their season ends. Get someone like that. More wing guys, more shooting. Yeah, this team should be fine. I mean, this that'll probably be last year. That'll be the last year of Demar's contract. Probably one of the last years of his prime that he's been playing before because he played very well for us. I mean, we we didn't expect him to be in his yeah. prime right now. When he was in San Antonio, it looked like he was you know on the down downhill slope but then it just rejuvenated last year he says mvp type season mm-hmm. um josh what what would you do if zach levine requests a trade would you just go into full rebuild would you try to you know a guy like Kyrie irving who has bird rights uh in free agency but he is a free agent if you could do a sign and trade would you do that for a guy like zach levine i'd probably do a sign and trade i don't think a full rebuild is necessary because i feel like we have the the certain parts that we need to be a really good playoff caliber team. And, <clears throat> like, I agree with uh, Sackley saying, like, we let Vooch walk, we get rid of uh, Williams and Kobe White. Like, I mean, I think that's what we should have done for Kevin Durant. Yeah, they probably would have asked for more, but it's Kevin Durant. Talking about one of the greatest basketball players of our time. Um, but, like, if Levine wants a trade, that's fine and all. But I'd rather take a sign-in trade um, for someone, you know, who's a bit more promising or better than him, but also better than DeRozan to really kind of lead the floor. Um, Because I don't see Lonzo coming back and having that impact to really lead the floor as a point guard. Lead the defensive side of things, obviously, because that's something that we really desperately need. And I think that's why we're not making too many moves because I think we're waiting for Alonzo to kind of really make his amp back up with the team. 
Um, but I also was looking at a free agent tracker. Mm-hmm. It's controversial how I say this, but I'd get rid of Vooch and, De, uh, and Drummond for DeMarcus Cousins. He's a big body center that is someone who is literally the embodiment of, like, your dominant center that you need. And he's not your guy that's going to take those three-point shots all the way out far. He's going to take his inside right hand, left hand. He's going to school everyone, I, in my opinion, even though he is on the older side and kind of injury and he has his issues with anger and whatever. I wouldn't mind seeing that because <clears throat> I feel like we get someone like DeMarcus Cousins and Pat Bev on the same team. I feel like that's a really good uh, mix-up of things. Because I feel like both of those guys have the intentions of wanting to win, but also having the intentions of pushing your team to be to be the best players that they can be on the court. And I feel like something like that would be really helpful for us because, one, we have the dominance, but also we have the drive from these two great players that can really get it done for us, like mentally, for the rest of our team. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, I, I'm a huge DeMarcus Cousins fan. I, I don't know at this point in his career if that's worth it to let both of them go and then just, like, have him. I think you would have to have, you know, a young backup plan if that was your goal. Yeah. Um, but I've I've been a big believer that DeMarcus Cousins has, has deserved a chance these past couple of years. He's kind Definitely. of been around the league on 10-day contracts and stuff, and every place he goes on a 10-day contract, he plays well. He's and then they just let him just go. gets, for whatever reason, blacklisted, kind of like a – like Isaiah Thomas, J.R. Smith, him, guys like that we know can still play, but for whatever reason, they don't. No one wants them anymore. It's kind of odd. What What do you think? What would you say the reason is for that? I mean, injuries haven't helped him. He has missed a lot of time. It's just I feel like teams they they saw what they saw in Sacramento, but a lot of that wasn't because of him. When you with the way Sacramento was when he was there, I don't blame him for being mad. They were the most dysfunctional, terrible organization in basketball by far. I think people forget that DeMarcus Cousins, when he was in Sacramento, was one of the best players in the league, and that team was still barely 500 some years. That, he was getting 28 and 13 every night. Like him and Lambeed going against each other those couple times, those were some fun games. And even in New Orleans, he looked even better with Anthony Davis. And when they let, let him go that one year after he tore his Achilles, there was a downfall of the Pelicans with Anthony Davis. I, at this point, I can't really say what it is. Maybe just because they just feel he's washed and they don't want to deal with maybe a guy who still thinks he can be a star. I don't know. But personally, I think he's still one of the best 40 centers in the league. I think he should have a spot somewhere. I mean, he's only 32. Yeah, he's like not he's too like, old. It's like us signing Dwight Howard. Like, he's almost 40. Like I think that'd be a terrible <laughs> signing. Because I mean, Dwight Howard looked all right two seasons ago. Two seasons ago, I mean, it's he's looking pretty good in a, where is he? In Taiwan? Taiwan. Yeah, I, I was gonna. Yeah, come on, <laughs> come on. That's Taiwan. I mean, I mean, yeah, you still have some athletic guys out there, but that's Taiwan. That's that's cake for him. Every day he plays. I mean, I don't know. I just think the Demarcus Cousins, and I mean, I, I'm looking at this like Lamarcus Aldridge, but he's 37 too. Like he's old. He's you old. know, he's got that heart condition. He's He's kind of a like a Chris Bosh right now. Bulls legend for about like five seconds though. Tyrus <laughs> uh, Thomas was just quite a player. Way to go, Gar Foreman. Um, 
you know, looking around the rest, rest of the league now, I wanted to talk about some of these other teams that made changes to their roster at the trade deadline. Um, how? Let's start off with the Phoenix Suns and Kevin Durant. How powerful is this team, and what do you think the ceiling of this team is? Championship. Yeah, they got a big four: KD, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. That's pretty nuts. I mean, they should, if they all stay healthy, they should win the, the championship, in my opinion. Do you think their lack of bench it will hurts hurt that them. at all? It will hurt them, I think, a lot of guys on their bench are kind of on the race. They've had a lot of homegrown guys on their bench, kind of like that Wainwright. They had, still have Josh Okoge, who's been playing very well. Uh, what's the guy? Toy Craig. I think it won't be as big of an issue as people think it will. They still have Biombo, backup center. They got some solid veterans, and plus, I'm sure the buyout market, once that opens up a little more, they'll get a guy or two on a minimum, but I don't think it will hurt them that much. Josh, do you think that a team like the Phoenix Suns adding a guy like Kevin Durant who takes so many shots and takes so much focus you know, away from the rest of the team, how do you think that affects Devin Booker's play moving forward here? And do you think that you know, Devin Booker will be better or worse because of that? I honestly don't think it affects him at all. Um, I, feel like, I feel like it affects Chris Paul more um, because I feel like it's going to be between Booker and... Um, I feel like they're going to go from, like, that big four to the big three with Aiton, Booker, and Durant. I feel like Chris Paul's going to be kind of, like, in the left in the shadow or left in their dust, honestly. Um, because right now it's, like, between those three without Durant. And then once Durant comes in, they're going to see how much more of an impact. And I feel like CP might be getting a little bit less minutes. Um, but, I mean, I feel like Booker and Durant are going to – in my opinion, they're going to work really well together because I feel like they're both selfish players, and I feel like they can feed off of each other and create great opportunities for shots. And <clears throat> like an early prediction, I honestly see it being a rematch between the Suns and the Bucks. I see that happening again. Like that is my finals matchup for that because of these two. Even what what Zachley said, even though Giannis is hurt, that's still a really good Bucks team. Yeah, Already. Yeah, so I mean, you keep you keep him healthy and everyone else healthy, and on the Suns you keep them healthy. Like that's a that's a game seven type situation between those two teams. Um, but like I said, I feel like they're gonna work really well together and really feed off of each other to create open shots, and I mean even get Durant under the basket and have him dunk a few times. Neither uh, one of them is very ball dominant. Yeah, so I mean, I feel like it's gonna work out really well for them. Um, but like I said, I feel like CP is going to lose a lot of minutes. Um, if not even minutes, uh, a lot of like seeing the ball a lot of the game. Yeah. So I feel like he's going to, they're going to probably factor him in as more of a defensive side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have Aiton, you know, it's an easy dish back and forth for him and Duran or Booker and whatever. And then who was the guy that got sent from Brooklyn that was originally on the Suns in the trade? He went with Durant. He was originally from the Suns. Uh, who else was in that trade? Oh, this is bad. My bad. I don't make to mean. Uh, I don't mean to make quiet noise right now. Oh, uh, T.J. Warren. Yeah. So I mean, you I was play. Like, who else was in that trade? You play him or any other bench player. I mean, you're really good. I mean, I really wish the Suns would have kept Cam Reddish. He was really good for them, a three-point shooter. But I mean, adding Durant takes that 
it kind of supersedes that either way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the Suns team's gonna mesh really fast. I mean, it, it's his first game this Saturday in like uh, over a hundred days since not playing. Um, so I mean, we'll see on Saturday. But I feel like this team's gonna win by a lot, like a lot more than anyone's expecting on Saturday against the Hornets, right? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Um, you had you know compared what your prediction is going to be for the championship this year to that 2020 championship uh, matchup. Do you think this Suns team is better than that Suns team? Adding Durant, yes. Yeah. Adding adding Durant kind of like supersedes that old team mm-hmm. because they didn't – it's like saying if you if Giannis wasn't on that Bucks team but then you add him to this year's team like but not Durant on the Suns, the Bucks won that every time. I think that's it's a little different because the Suns team, what made what partly made them so good in that 2020 season is the depth that they had. It's the fact that they could roll out a second unit and that could still be considered a starting unit in the league. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I think that's what kept them into a lot of games is with having being able to have Cam Johnson come off the bench mm-hmm. and being able to have you know a back center like Frank Kaminsky who was. You know, that was probably the best season he had in his career, and campaign the best season he had in his career. You know, talk about it in, like, 2K ratings. Campaign was up to, like, an 81 overall in 2K that year. That's a pretty good backup point guard. For yeah. Campaign, the Bulls legend. <laughs> I think every team legend. <laughs> He's been around the league. Um, you know, personally, I, I don't think this team is better than that 2020 team, and I think this Bucks team might be better than that 2020 team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if, you know, they met up in the playoffs – we would get a lot of just KD feeling like he has to shoot the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And what scares me about that is that's what he was doing in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I'm scared that, you know, it's going to go back to what they were doing in Brooklyn where it was KD one night and then Kyrie the other night. Mm-hmm. But now it's going to be KD one night and Devin Booker the other night. Yeah. And that you can't win games that way. And it's the same thing where they, they just don't have a bench. And granted that the starters around them are better. You know, Chris Paul is one of the best point guards of all time. You know, he's missing a championship, and then he's top three. Yeah. You know, uh, DeAndre Ayton is a top ten center in this league. You know, I think some people would disagree just because they don't like DeAndre Ayton, but he's a top ten center in this league. Yeah. But then you have Jock Lendale coming off your bench. Can you tell me who that is? No. You know who that is? Exactly. I don't know. You know. His first year in the NBA is from St. Mary's. But exactly, you know, that's that's the type of guy that's, like, coming off the bench. Yeah. And I, I don't think you can win championships in this league today without a bench unit that can carry their own. Yeah. No, um, I, I get what you're saying, and I th- my bad. I didn't mean to no, cut you off. Yeah, I think I'm still going to stick with my prediction, but I think the one thing that's going to nip uh, Phoenix in the butt is giving up Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder on the Bucks was – probably the best addition they could have done because, I mean, we talked about it, what, two weeks ago, that he is probably the best, like, off-bench player or even starting player that you can put in a lineup because he is so consistent whenever, off the bench or starting. Like, that guy can actually, like, he is really good at basketball. And I'm just – I understand you, you saw Kevin Durant's name, you were excited, but I feel like letting him go – is going to hurt the Suns a lot because he was, I feel like he was a really good part or maybe even key part to that bench that you're talking about coming, 
you know, giving your starters a rest and coming on the court. I feel like he was a really good, um, really good key part to why they were doing so good throughout the season in that 2020 season. Mm-hmm. And I think what also kind of helps the Suns is that the Western Conference is just not as competitive this year as it yeah. has been in the past couple of years. You know, I I can't trust the Denver Nuggets until they actually win in the playoffs. You know, go go beyond barely getting to the Western Conference. Yeah. Make it to an NBA championship, and I will take that team seriously. Yeah, um, They've been the number one seed, number, like, in between one and four for, like, the past, like, six seasons and can't do anything. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies are so young, and – they're really fun to watch, but also when you watch the Memphis Grizzlies, you see so many weaknesses in this team that they don't happen at the same time, but it's just little spurts in games, and you're like, ooh, that's not going to go well in the playoffs. Yeah. You can already tell. Yeah. Um, well, they're all talk. Mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks is supposed to be their second scorer. He's very, very inefficient. He takes way too many shots. I don't know who he thinks he is. He hasn't played defense as well. Even though he's supposed to, that's literally he's, he's supposed to be a three and D guy. That's what Dylan Brooks. Jaron Jackson's very injury prone. Desmond Bain he didn't show up too well in the playoffs last year. I just don't trust him other than Ja. And like honestly, even I love Ja Morant, but there's some games where he is just not in it. Yeah. Like he is just chucking up shots because he thinks he has to. Yeah. And that's that's not a championship winning team. And the Sacramento Kings are just like they're another thing where it's fun to watch, but I don't think they're anything beyond a three seed they got the beam i mean that beam is pretty cool <laughs> i think i think the the kings can win a first round i mean if the kings win a first round matchup that that's their super bowl mm-hmm. they haven't been in the playoffs since george bush was president it, it would shut people up about them finally yes it, it, their fans deserve it i hope they make the playoffs i hope they full-fledged make the playoffs not the plan mm-hmm. and i hope they win a couple playoff games yeah yeah um you know going more down into this western conference Let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks for a little bit. Adding Kyrie Irving, so far it's it's looked good between him and Luca, but they're uh, not winning. They're not winning basketball. Games. Yeah, I was gonna say I I'm looking at your screen. They dropped what almost. They're one and two, four when they play together. Two places, three places almost. Almost in the play-in now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. Biting my tongue and being hypocritical, you know, I said that they, this was really going to work out well together and this and that, and, I mean, it proved me wrong. Um, I mean, they're they're getting good numbers. It's just they can't win. They can't close it out. And, I mean, to me, I don't know why. Maybe you have an insight as to why. I mean, my, my biggest thing is, and it, it has to do with, you know, going back to the same thing, the Kevin Durant-Kyrie Irving thing. Mm-hmm. And Luka Doncic is very much a different player than Kevin Durant, where he's he's very ball dominant in a different way. Um, but at the same time, Kyrie Irving is still Kyrie Irving. You know, Luka Doncic is still Luka Doncic. They're both still going to try to get their shots. And then I think Luka feels this need, and you can see it when they're playing, he feels this need to just, like, force passes to these guys to make sure that they get their touches. Because he, like, he knows he's playing with Kyrie Irving. So he's like, well, it's Kyrie Irving. He's got to get the ball. I think Luka Doncic just has to be more selfish. I think he has to say, I know that's Kyrie Irving over there, but he'll step up when we need him to step up. Yeah. I'm This is my team. Yeah, he, he needs to know that he's not sharing a team. And I don't think people thought that when Kyrie got traded there. I think people were like, oh, Luka <laughs> finally got some help. No, that, that was me, yeah. But they were still saying it's Luka's team. Yeah. I think Luka thinks right now it's Luka and Kyrie's team. 
it's Luca's team, and he's got to take control. I think that's one of the biggest things for this team right now. Yeah. Then they got to play some defense. Mm-hmm. They are not a good. They tra- Dorian Finney-Smith was their best wing defender. Uh, they traded who else was it? Um, Finney-Smith. Oh, yeah, Dinwiddie's, Dinwiddie's a solid defender. Solid defender. Kyrie's not the best defender, so isn't Luca. And they don't really have. I don't know why they they benched Christian Wood, who's their best big man, and put in the most old thirty-one-year-old Dwight Powell that I've ever seen. But not not that Christian Wood's a good defender either. But I was at least say, like Christian was not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Wood's getting you seventeen and eight a game. Dwight Powell's he'll like do two lobs where like a, he technically dunks it, but he, it's more so <laughs> just like a lay-in at this point. I don't know what that's about. What 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 do you think needs to change with this team? Maybe you know beyond just starting Christian Wood, for them to actually be considered a threat in the West. This As you guys said, it's kind of like how LeBron and D Wade. D Wade said, "Okay, LeBron, this is your team. You're taking it." Kyrie or Luca, they need to figure that out. With Luca being the man, they need that. They need to play better defense, and they need the other guys to step up. It can't just be the Luca and Kyrie show. The other guys have to make shots. They have to score. They have to rebound. We need more production out of Reggie Bullock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, they kind of need what the Bulls got right now. They need that Patrick Beverly guy to really, like, get in there and light a fire under everything and just get them going. Because, I mean, you're not going to win championships and you're not going to win playoff games if you just got what they had, what the Mavs had that one game where it's, pass back and forth between Luka and Kyrie on who's going to take that last shot, It's that's not going to win you games, playoff games, championships, whatever. It's not. And right now, like you said, I completely agree with both of you. Like, you need Luka to be like, this is my team. I've been here. I run things. You know, like. Not even that he's just been there. It's He's the better player. Yeah. Right now in their careers, Luka Doncic is the better player. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. And um, it's just. I think it starts with getting a guy, not exactly like Pat Bev, but just having that guy who really, like, wants it, and that guy should be Luca to really just light the fire under everyone right now to get them going. Because as of right now, they're, what, six seed? They need to, they need to climb back. That's just that's mandatory right now. If they want to feel safe, I guess, and actually play against a, a mid-play-in team, they need they need that fire under them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about one more team here uh, before we take a quick break and get the food battle ready for you guys. Um, I wanted to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, LeBron James uh, recently went down for um, I think ankle. Yeah, ankle injury. injury. Yep. Yeah, they categorize that as a foot, but I'm pretty sure it was ankle. Uh-huh. Uh, they say he's out for an indefinite amount of time right now. Yeah. Um, what is the next step for this Lakers team who kind of, it seemed like they were already kind of starting they, that change over. They were looking good. Mm-hmm. They're 3-0 with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is a team that if they do somehow make the play and make the playoffs, are they a competitor in the playoffs? And if not, and if they still miss the playoffs, what what should they do with this roster? If they miss the playoffs, they just got to let LeBron leave. Trade AD, trade whatever guys aren't free agents. Cause they have no picks. They have no cap space. They have nothing. This is an old team, team that has underperformed. They have to restart, in my opinion. If they make the playoffs, 
they do make the plan, and then they if they get out of the plan, I think at best maybe if they're like a seventh seed. They go against, like, Memphis, and they stay fully healthy. Maybe they could win a pl- first-round playoff series. That's it. Because mm-hmm. now that LeBron's out, that means AD has to step up. AD has to do more. When AD has to do more, he gets hurt. And if they have either Braun or AD, Austin Reeves and uh, Beasley aren't going to carry this team to the playoffs. Maybe um. if Larsa Pippen was in the arena <laughs> and Michael Beasley – What's his name? Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley gets 30 a night, maybe. He was – there was one night, and I know you were talking about this before when they just looked all on par. It was, LeBron did not look good in this game. Oh, he had like 13 points. But Malik Beasley was just lighting it up, and then Austin Reese was just dunking on people and stuff for no reason. He'll, he'll Billy Kobe. You know, this, <laughs> that's what they called him growing up. He'll Billy Kobe. This team has, you know, all the talent in the world, and they just – they all have to be healthy, but at the same time, like how much more of this can you take as the Lakers organization who's so used to success? And you're, it's not even as bad as those teams that were just bad. Like people knew those teams were bad. Yeah. This is, team is just disappointing year in and year out. I think it's just no matter what happens, they could go all the way to the finals for all I care. Blow it up. It's not worth it. This team just causes too many headaches for the Lakers and for the fans of the Lakers. It's just not worth it. And then, you know, with LeBron, it's so much more about the outside stuff with him right now, not about just basketball. And we were saying this with Tom Brady is that all these changes in his life are happening. And LeBron, his kids are starting to get ready to be in the NBA with him. You know, he just broke the scoring title. He's dealing with injuries now. You know, it's it's a lot of outside stuff that, you know, I don't think LeBron really is you know, 100% ready to deal with, and I don't think the Lakers should deal with it. I think they should probably just move on and restart. Um, That kind of leads me to my next question, too. What do you think the value of a LeBron James and Anthony Davis is right now, and what teams do you think are going to – would try for that? I don't know where LeBron would go because he's going to be a free agent. He wants to play with Bronny, but Bronny, what? He needs one more year before Mm -hmm. he gets to go to college or something for a year, yeah. I don't. I mean, if you invest in LeBron, whenever LeBron leaves your team, you're in the garbage can. So I don't know what team really wants to do that. He's 38 years old now. Maybe he goes to just like a team where he can just be, you know, third or fourth best player. I don't think maybe I don't think he'll want to do that. I don't think Cleveland wants to stunt their young guys' growth with bringing him in. I don't. I don't really. No team really sticks out. Other than the Cavs, because it would be maybe he goes back to South Beach and just joins all the old guys down there with, you know, Jimmy and Kyle Lowry and Udonis Haslam and his Udonis wheelchair Haslam coming back from his 60th season. Kevin Love and <laughs> Victor Oladipo and every old guy on earth. Yeah. Um, if you were LeBron, uh, right now uh, a lot of reports are coming out that it looks like Bronny could be a top 10 pick in the draft that he's in. Um, if you were LeBron, would you be willing to go to one of these rebuilding teams, let's say in Orlando Magic and Oklahoma City Thunder, just to play with your son? Nah, he even made that clear. He's going to retire if his son gets drafted by Orlando. <laughs> he he made that really clear. Um, I mean, yeah, it might be a joke. It might be for real. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care because then I get to say I got to play with my son in the NBA. At least if even if it was just for the one season, you know, and then you retire, you go sign a contract with 
Miami Lakers go re- retire with one of those two teams, Cleveland, whatever. Um, but, I mean, it's – I feel like he should just take into consideration that he get, he can be the one player that says, yeah, not the one. There might have been others, but he, that he played with his son in the NBA on the same team and whatever. But, I mean – I don't think retirement's out of the question. I feel like he's getting close, and I feel like he might even make a decision on it, you know? Because, I mean, it's, you know, you're, what, 30, what? 38. 38, and you're pushing it because the league's just getting younger and younger every day. And a lot of the best talent in the league is 24 and younger right now. Yeah, like, that French kid's insane. I mean, he got bodied the other day, huh. but like he's that, the he's the biggest prospect since LeBron. Yeah, I mean, that that video of him getting bodied though that scared me for when he gets to league because Giannis is in the I was league just and about that's to who's say gonna that. be going. Joel Embiid's gonna be doing that. I was you just know? about to say that, bro. Sh- shoot, Derrick Jones Jr. can do that, so yeah. you better be you better be ready for even the role players to be able to do that on you, yeah. buddy. Um, but I mean, Brandon Ingram figured it out after a while. KD figured it out after a while. You just gotta find your role. I think. I think this kid has, Victor Wembanyama has what it takes. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we have our bi-weekly food battle for you guys. Uh, stay f- tuned for that. Uh, there's going to be a shot for you guys to win $15 with that. We'll be right back. The change. You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz, only on WRSE. How's it going, folks? If you are just tuning in, this is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio, and you're listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys Show. Uh, like I said, if you guys are just tuning in, you missed us talk about the NBA for a little bit, the Chicago Bulls, what's going on over there as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Now we're going to move on to our highly uh, regarded food battles. We got a great one for you guys this week. Uh, over the weekend, we put up a poll for you guys to pick uh, what we are going to be battling. The winner of the polls was street tacos versus Korean barbecue wings. Sadly, the only Korean barbecue place within like 20 minutes of us was closed today for some reason. Unfortunate. uh, We didn't really have the time to go beyond 20 minutes away, so we had to go with our second place option, which was the country fried steak. Another full disclosure, we may have dug into the tacos already. We were kind of (laughs) hungry. What are you talking about? We're the big guys for a reason. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but we'll retaste them for you guys, see if they taste a little better, a little worse now that they're a little cold. You know, might change it up a little bit. Um, but like I said, we got the street ta- tacos versus the country fried steak. Why don't we start with the country fried steak? Josh, you want first bites here? Sure. Uh, it's a crispy looking one. Uh, I think we got it from Denny's because that was also one of the only places that had a country fried steak in America's the area. Diner. Uh, it's looking a little thick for a normal country fried steak. Oh Josh is having trouble. <laughs> Dude, nice just pick it up and take a bite. It's a nice taco, man. <laughs> thick piece of meat. All right, here we go. Nice dip in the white gravy. Kind of fell in the gravy. It's taking all the gravy. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad, man. work. And here's the bite. Reaction. It's a little cold, but it's good. Okay. A little cold. How would you describe the meat? 
don't know. It's good. I it's just good, dude. Gravy's a nice touch. Yeah. Gravy's the best part. I love country fried steak. And it just tastes like a piece of chicken. It's breaded steak. It's a little salty for me. You know, I've definitely had better country fried steaks. Um, the gravy, little tasteless compared to other gravies I have had in the past. Um, like we said, it's a little cold, so I think that takes takes away from it a little bit. But all in all, it's it's a decent country fried steak. I mean, it's a Denny's country fried steak. If I had to give it a rating, I'd put it at like six out of ten. Josh, probably five. Sackler already dug into the tacos. <laughs> like a six point two. Well, since you're already eating the tacos, let's move on to those. Exactly. Would you give the tacos? Oh, ten out of ten. Viva Mexico. <laughs> What's your favorite part about them? Was the meat? And they had the right amount of cilantro and onion. They're just quite delicious. Mm-hmm. You go next. Yeah. The corn shells delicious. The meat is put, cooked perfectly. It's a steak taco. Um, it's not chewy at all. Steak is super seasoned, just falls apart in your mouth. Like Sackley said, they put the perfect amount of cilantro, perfect amount of onion on these, and they were $1 a piece. I mean, what else could you ask for? Country fried steak is one of my favorite foods, but, I mean, these tacos are they're uh, Los, 10 out of 10. Los Burritos Mexicanos in mm-hmm. Little Park, Illinois. Great tacos, great deal. Los Burritos Mexicanos, number two, not number one. Number one's on uh, St. Charles over in Lombard area. It's like a, it's like a million out of ten, bro. Those tacos are insane. <laughs> like, like, I already told you. He's Brian. just he's just eating the toppings now. He didn't even eat a taco. He had yeah. the onions. I love I love cilantro and onion. I don't know why they mix well together with a taco, but I'll eat it by itself. But these tacos are really good. I love the smaller tortilla doubled up. Um, and, I mean, we had them fresh here before they were sitting <laughs> out for a while, and they were, oh, my God, fresh. These tacos fresh are 100% amazing. We yeah. ordered 25 of them, and I think we demolished um, about 15 of them within the first five minutes that we brought them in because we were so hungry. Yep. Um, the sauce, the salsas that they came with, delicious, too. Josh doesn't like the red one, but I the, love the red yeah. one. I mean, me and my dad are stands. We we love the green salsa, but it has to be a really good green salsa. Um, but the red one, me and him, I mean, he likes red salsa sometimes. I don't know why. It's nasty. Um, <laughs> but the green salsa, really, really good. I got to tell my parents to come out here. Um, really good tacos. And for $1 on Tuesdays, it's amazing. It's amazing price. I mean, we paid a little bit over 25 bucks because we got 25 but... I mean, really good tacos. Um, like I said, a million out of ten. These tacos are amazing. Um, that's going to do it for our food battle this week. I think it's unanimous. Uh, we decided that the street tacos from Los Burritos are the best. Um, I think this is probably something we're just going to have to do before every Tuesday show because they were so good and so cheap. I'm so with that. Um, so we are going to post a... Winner picture on Instagram of the beautiful tacos we have here. 
on that picture, we would love for you guys to tag three of your friends and tell us who you would pick in this food battle. Uh, once you do that, we'll like your comment. Next week, we'll do a randomizer, and we'll find out who will win $15 to go get your own 15 tacos from Los Burritos. So, again, that's a comment on our most recent Instagram post when we post that after the show. Uh, tag three of your friends, tell us who you think would win, and you could win $15 yourself. Since this battle had to do with the XFL teams and some of our favorite teams, why don't we just move right on in to the XFL we're going to start off with the first game that happened. That was the St. Louis Battle Hawks against the Seattle Sea Dragons. Exactly, these are your Battle Hawks. How'd this game go for you guys? This game was another fourth quarter comeback thriller of a game. Jim McCarran had quite the legacy drive at the end of the game. I mean, it was just a great way they, the Seattle Sea Dragons came out strong. Ben and Uchi looked a lot better. They I don't know about that one. For a while, he did. <laughs> he looked better. Jacor Peterson had another good game. But the Battlehawks, they just, their offensive line played a lot better this week. They kind of looked okay. They were like a, instead of a door that was completely wide open, they were like, you know, cracked. <laughs> but they looked a lot better than, of course, you know, they were down uh, 17, uh, was it? They finished at 20 to 18, right? So they are down 17 to 18. The end, they got just enough, just enough pass protection, just enough completions to get to the field goal position after the kicker missed the kick earlier in the fourth quarter. And they were able to win the game. Overall, I thought it was a very good game. It was pretty entertaining. There's a lot of turnovers. It was a little, still a little scoring, but it was, it was a good game. Mm-hmm. I think this is an improvement from their offensive line. They ran the ball a little better. Uh, even without their starting running back, Mateo Durant filled in, looked pretty good for Duke. I think this, I think. The Battlehawks would be one of the top three teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about how the O-line played better. And although it wasn't all across the league, I think you know a lot of the teams had better O-line play. Uh, this is something that you guys were, you know, predicted last week that just as long as they mesh, you know, a little longer, they'll get a little bit better. Um, so with the Battlehawks being 2-0 and some of these other teams with the O-line getting better, who do you think is that? your power rankings right now. Would you put the Battle Hawks up there at number one? Personally, I would have to go with the Houston Roughnecks. I think they, they really they blew out the the Guardians week one. They looked good week two. If it wasn't for a couple turnovers, a couple just bad plays, they would have really, I think, stomped on Arlington. I'll put them as number one. I'm going to put the D.C. Defenders just at number two just because I love the way they can run the ball. I mean, they have a legit starting NFL running back. Raquel Armstead was the Jaguars' starting running back before he got COVID, missed the rest of the year. They used a first-round pick on a running back, Abram Smith, out of Georgia. I mean, Georgia Baylor. He's a big physical player, former college linebacker. I think he also has a future in the NFL. And then they're doing this two-quarterback system right now with Jordan Tamu and Derek King. Personally, I think they should just stick with King, use his rushing ability, do some RPOs. He completed a good – it was a two- or three-point play to the tight end. He can run as well. I think they can have the best run game in the league, and their defense looks pretty solid so far. So I'd put them at number two, and then I'm going to put the Battlehawks at number three just because both their wins were – first one was a little fluky. You know, they, they used the ninth-point play to their advantage and the fourth and 15 to win. And, you know, they didn't look too good at times versus the Seattle. Another comeback from behind. So I'll put them at number three. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, going back to Seattle here, we saw Josh Gordon not have a great game. And we talked about him a little bit last week and whether or not the quarterback play is going to affect his play very much. And we we said that it probably wouldn't, you know, Josh Gordon's just a good player, um, but it probably wouldn't be enough to get him to the NFL. This week, he had a little bit of a stinker of a game. Um, how effective do you really think Josh Gordon is in a league like this? You got to remember, Josh Gordon is over 30 years old now. He's not what he used to be. He's had multiple extended layoffs in his career. He's had off-the-field issues, mental health issues. At this point, I think he's like a fifth or sixth receiver on an NFL team, so that's what he's going to do. I mean, if the quarterback plays bad, the line doesn't protect, it's going to affect him. He's not a guy that can just give him the ball, he's going to take a 90 back like he used to do with Brandon Whedon throwing him the ball in Cleveland. He's going to need to be more refined in his route running and kind of, you know, he's going to have to win a jump ball. He's going to have to do stuff like that. It's not just him get him the ball in space and hit, let him take a 90 like he used to. That's just what he is now. Josh, with Seattle being, you know, your roommate's favorite team, um, what are some things that you saw from this team that you liked, maybe didn't like? How did they do in this game? I mean, <clears throat> from the offensive side of things, like, the, um, the the Sea Dragons have their moments, and they look really, really good. Um, their one receiver, I forget his name. Yeah, Pearson. He is really good. Like, he is super fast. He's efficient. Um, I mean, he's not that tall, but he'll, he'll still high-point a ball. Um, but I feel like right now where they're hurting a lot is in the quarterback position. Um, ben DiNucci, he... Sometimes he looks better than Dak Prescott sometimes to me. That's just because I hate Dak Prescott. But, I mean, other times it looks like he's Ben DiNucci. You know, like he he makes a lot of mistakes like he did in uh, hard knocks and preseason and games and whatever. But I feel like it starts with him as why they're not really, like, flowing right now. And, I mean, then again, like, it goes with the O-line. The O-lines have to, like, really mesh. And, I mean, they had a better game. But in towards the end of the game, the O line just started crumbling apart, and really it got him uh, strip sacked, I believe, and sacked too. Um, but I mean, like, I think they might have. I, th- in my opinion, I think they're gonna sit him down this next game, and they're gonna let who's his backup. Uh, off the top of my head, like, I don't even know off the top of my head either. I mean. My bad, I don't know. Harrison Frost, no, Steven Montez. Steven Montez, he yeah. spent time on the Commanders. He's from University of Colorado. He's a legit quarterback. Uh, I think they should go to him. He's a bigger guy, 6'5", 230. He, has, you know, he was on an NFL roster for an extended amount of time, with that being the Commanders and then the Lions for a whole year, and he was with the Lions even in 2022. So there's... You know, it's not too long. I think they should probably just go with him at this point. I think Montez also, he brings a little more kind of more in the run game just because he's 6'5", 235. He can kind of do like some Josh Allen type things maybe. Uh, yeah, I think they need – dude, she, he makes plays where it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he could do that. Or like and some he plays, can run really well. Yeah, but then he just makes some plays where it's just like horn-swoggingly bad. 
like, what is he doing? And you can't do those. You can't have two or three of those a game. Turnovers are what kill you in football. It's just we need more consistency out of him. And the whole offense needs to play. need to run the ball better. Receivers need to play better. They're not playing well as an offense right now, even in the first game. And you can't turn the ball over three or four times either. I mean, if you go to the NFL, the biggest league in the world, you know, you see guys like Josh Allen where turnovers kill him in games a lot oh, of the yeah. time. Even at the biggest level to the biggest stars in the game, it kills you. So you can't be doing that as Ben DiNucci in the XFL. Um, you know, when, I'm, when I see Ben DiNucci play, it, it seems like he's a – you can tell who he is. He's a guy who got a chance in the NFL – didn't get to carry it out, and now is still trying to pursue his dream through a secondary league. And I think a lot of that shows up in his game because he's trying to do too much sometimes. He's trying to be the superstar all the time, and when he got drafted into the XFL on the Sea Dragons, a lot of people picked the Sea Dragons as their favorite team because they saw Ben DiNucci there. And you best believe he knew that. He knows people are watching him in this league because they love him. He's big on TikTok. He knows what he sees the comments. Mm-hmm. He he knows that he has a whole song for him and stuff. Ben DiNucci. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was a perfect recreation, Sagley. Thank you. Um, you know, he, he knew he was going to have all the eyes on him in this league. It was going to be him and Josh Gordon. Those were the two people that, you know, when they saw that duo build up, they were like, oh, that's who I'm going to watch, yep. you know? And I think what he needs to do is, and maybe him getting benched will help him do this, is just take a step back and be like, I just need to play football. Because you can see it on the field that he is a very good player. Yeah. He really is. He just needs to do it consistently. And I think if he takes that step back, you know, takes a little bit of an ego hit, he'll realize that, you know what, I need to cool down and I need to just play football like I know how to do. And he did it for the Cowboys for a good three or four weeks, you know, he can do it. Yeah. Um, you better do it before Stetson Bennett gets into the XFL and just wins eight championships. <laughs> no, <laughs> the Patriots are going to give Stetson Bennett at least, you know, three or four years before he makes it to the XFL. Um, going on to the next game, let's move on to Josh's favorite team, the Vegas Vipers against Ooh. the D.C. Defenders. Josh, how'd this one go for you guys? It was the field, bro. I'm not... That offense is dreadful. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> they, that offensive line, I'm sorry. They are not it. Luis Perez isn't it either. I thought he was going to be better. Neither Mar- is Brent Huntley. Martavis Bryant isn't it either. Yeah. He's um, a D, he, should, he should go play DN now. Yeah. He's a little too big for me. I honestly should have let you have the Vipers <laughs> once we were talking about it. I do. It's too late now. No, I'm a I, renegade. I know, I know. Um, so, I mean... Not that they're good either. It's... I mean, the O-line and then a wet grass field that they played in uh, didn't help at all because their O-line is just horrendous. That field so. looked like that one movie where it was about that that like juvenile detention center that they got to play football. The one with... Uh, like, I think The Rock was in it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I that's, know what you're talking that's about. That's what that movie, The Hardball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that, that's what that, that stadium looked like. It looked like they were like... They just got out the... Indiana State Penitentiary, and they were playing some football. <laughs> that's what that game looked like. I was like, what? And then it was raining, which that didn't help. Brent Huntley did not look any better than Perez. Brent Huntley couldn't even complete a pass more than seven yards down the field. Please, Perez can't run behind that terrible offensive line. It's just no one was playing well. Nope. They have a defense. The defense is pretty good. 
They got Ron Woodson, a Hall of Famer, calling it. They just cannot manufacture anything offensively. Yeah. I mean, thank you for, you know, taking the Vipers on as your favorite team because I don't want them anymore. Um, I think I just wanted them because it looked like they had NFL guys on it. Yeah. It looked like it would be a fun team because of guys like Martavis Bryan, Geronimo Allison is on this team, which I didn't even realize, but, you know, former Packer, former NFL player. Um, and I think a lot of it is just that they just can't figure it out on offense. It's just so dreadful for them. And when you're watching these other teams, you can kind of see an identity start to build for them. And, you know, you look across the field in this game, the D.C. defenders have an identity already on that offensive side of the ball. I think the Vipers just need to figure out what that is. And maybe that starts with, you know, trying to get Brett Hundley in there more as the actual starter instead of Luis Perez. But at the same time, I've seen Brett Hundley play football. And it's very different than Ben DiNucci, where I've seen Ben DiNucci play good football. I've just seen Brett Hundley play football. I haven't seen any good football from Brett Hundley in his entire career. And he played a long time in the NFL. Like, he's yeah, one of the most he experienced like players. half a season in the NFL. He's the most experienced NFL quarterback in this league uh-huh. by far. Like, you, you would think he would be able to just t- tear this league apart. The only games he played well were against the 0-17 Browns, or 0-16 Browns, sorry, <laughs> and the Bears back when, in the John Fox era. Other than that, he looked dreadful in the NFL. That's why they decided to cut him and then eventually draft Jordan Love a few years later. I mean, that's why they even traded for Deshaun Kaiser the next year. I mean, whew. that was ugly. But, I mean, yeah, he's the most experienced quarterback in this league. I thought he would have. I thought he would have been just the outright starter. I mean, Luis Perez, the XFL spring league legend, is still hanging on. Barely. Barely. Yeah. The dude's on hanging on by a thread. That guy. Yeah. We need someone else in. I gotta look at my roster, but <laughs> we need someone else in. Going over to the D.C. defenders, they didn't seem to have as much trouble with the field as the Vipers did. Um, you know, what? what is the biggest strength for this defenders team? That run game. They got a run game, and they can play defense. Yeah. They force turnovers. That's what we've seen through two games on defense. Jordan Tamu really hasn't manufactured anything in the passing game, but they can run the ball. That's what they have right now. They have two starting they have a starting running NFL running back as their number one. They got Abram Smith, who was their first-round draft pick, as their other running back. They have those two. Derek King comes in and has a little magic. I think they should just go to him full-time. That's what they got right now. I think one of the biggest things with the D.C. defenders is that they're doing something that a lot of these other teams aren't doing, and I feel like they're allowing their players to actually find an identity for themselves versus just throwing an identity on them. I think that has to do with a lot of their talent being on their team is guys who haven't even gotten one chance yet. You know, like you were saying, Rykel Armstead got, you know, COVID and then cut before he could even, like, really yeah. sniff an NFL field. Derek King is a guy who's coming off injuries who was, you know, a Heisman candidate a few years ago but never really got his opportunity in the NFL yet. I was very surprised that Abram Smith went undrafted. Mm-hmm. He's a very good – he had a great senior year, at Bay, a junior year, I believe, at Baylor. And he's a very physical player. He's a former linebacker. I thought he would have gotten picked up by someone. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, Jordan Tamu is a guy who has experience, but he hasn't played since 2020 mm-hmm. in the XFL with the Battle Hawks. Um, yeah. You know, it's just in these other teams, you know, we look back at Ben DiNucci and Josh Gordon and Martavis Bryan and these Luis Perez and all these other guys, you know, Brett Hundley. And when – 
they got into the XFL, I think a lot of their head coaches were just like, I don't know what I'm doing with this type of team in this type of league. Let's just do what the best players are best at. And I think that's screwing a lot of teams over because they're not really able to find an identity yet because of that. And in such a short season, it's hard to find that time to find your identity. You know, this is seven games less than what the NFL is playing. Um, And I think that what these teams need to do is just take a step back, you know, readdress who's all starting, find the guys that actually just really want to play, not guys who are just trying to do it for themselves, prove it to themselves. You know, it needs to be guys who want to actually, you know, prove something to the world, not just to themselves. Especially on the Orlando Guardians. Mm -hmm. They've by far been the worst team. We can move on to that game. Their coach went viral for basically throwing every single player he had under the bus. I don't think this team's very well coached. Uh, they're also having quarterback issues. They started Paxton Lynch, and they benched him. Then DeAndre Francois completed six passes for eight yards and told his offensive line to shut the F up in the huddle. <laughs> that was awesome. In my opinion, the offensive lineman should have shut the F up because they cannot block. And when you cannot block, you should not be trying to call the plays in the huddle. It's facts. That's something we've learned when we were, you know, in third grade, guys, as offensive Even if linemen. if you can block, you probably shouldn't be trying yeah. to call We're linemen play. for a reason. Yes. Uh, no, I'm sorry. You guys should not run an inside run play when you guys have gotten blown up on three straight inside run plays. I've never seen a team have five, seven plays within the one-yard line and still barely score. That was an experience. That was the game I showed my grandpa who didn't know about the XFL. That was the game I showed him, and I feel kind of bad for that as I feel that game probably increased his aging. And, yeah. The Brahmas, though, they, they should have won week one, but they let the Battle Hawks in at the very last second. They looked like a good team from start to finish. They just did not finish week one. They dominated the game week one. They have a good quarterback, Jack Cohn, you know, former Wisconsin boy, but had a great senior year at Notre Dame. I think he's the best quarterback in this league right now just because I think he's you know, the one guy you could have made an argument for to be in the NFL. Uh, they have Kellen Balazs, who's a legit NFL running back. Offensive line has looked pretty good. I like Heinz Ward. You know, Hall of Fame player is your coach. That's always a good thing. Uh, you know, they're going to have big, a lot of big things in these minor leagues are, you know, I think just fans. This team's going to have 30,000 fans at every home game. They did it week one. They just won this week, so they're going to have even more people next home game. I think that's going to help them a lot. That's going to play a big difference. Some of these teams are going to be used to fan noise because they don't have fans. I think that's that's something to look at. I think this team, I'd put them at number four right now. If they would have just closed out against the Battle Hawks, they'd probably be number one in my opinion. And, yeah, I think this is a team that could do some damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like what you said about, you know, fans playing such a huge part in this league. And I think fans matter so much more in this league than any other professional sports league right now. These teams, they will feed off that energy. And in a place like San Antonio where they're stuck in Texas with, two other NFL teams that aren't their teams, you know, they get a team now and they're going to be really excited about that. No matter where you are, if you don't have a team and you get a team, fans are going to love that. Um, And I think, like you said, they're going to keep showing out, especially now that this team is, is looks good, like actually good. You know, even in the old AF days, they got 30,000 fans to come to a game and a league that was going to fold before it even started. uh Like that was well known that that league was not going to stick around. I, they thought that was the best thing ever. They had the worst TV deal I've ever seen. 
And they were banking on that. Bleacher Report Live. I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, with with that being said, um, what do you think these teams like Orlando need to do to build a fan base a little more, even if they're going to be I mean, bad? Orlando had fans in the stadium. That wasn't the issue. Their issue is that they just cannot play football right now. They have not looked good on offense or defense. I cannot name a specific strength this team has, and it appears that they do not have good coaching. As their head coach reminds me of, like, a head coach of, like, a minor league football one of those, like, 90s football movies that had, like, you know, Keanu Reeves and, like, you know, Adam Sandler and Bobby Boucher and all those. <laughs> That's what their head coach reminds me of right now. So that team, you know, they might have to relocate again. You almost picked them as your favorite team, too. You were... Back in 2020, the New York Guardians were my favorite team. I like their uniforms. They were in New York. I always kind of like New York sports a little bit. Uh, they had a different logo. They had good players. They had a strong defense, a good veteran quarterback, and Matt McGloin from Penn State. And then they, they went to Orlando. I don't really like Orlando. They have these nasty lime green uniforms. Like Michigan State. And now they just have, like, a Panthers or logo, some, like, you know, Panther that, like, Hillbilly Bob sees in the Everglades <laughs> that, like, fights it off with, like, his, like, like a like a, like a gardening tool called the hoe, that one, uh-huh. or, like, a pitchfork. I have one of those at the school where I work at for landscaping. <laughs> That's what he fights it off. That's what their logo looks like. It's not a guardian. It's a Panther. <laughs> so this team, just, I could tell, was going to be dysfunctional from day one. It doesn't help that they're in Florida. <laughs> And I just think that I think this is the worst team in the XFL. Um, speaking of uniforms and stuff, I think I have to change up my power rankings. The Brahmas have some good uniforms. Those yellow ones look cool. Nice. I really like the, the Arlington light blue color. See, I, like I, d- I didn't like their second their uniforms they wore this week with like the red lining in the yeah. numbers. That that bothered me. And then I looked at their helmets again, and I was like, I don't really think I like re- the Renegades the helmets. Battlehawks jerseys are kind of boring. They're like the gray and blue. They do look. They look like just like a generic youth team, yeah. like an AAU team. Yeah, kinda. but I also I I don't mind that. I think it kind of yeah, works. You know? I'd rather have generic than like you know, kind of like what the Atlanta Hawks did back in the day, where they look like a Chinese basketball team. I, the, I love those Hawks. Those were the worst things I've ever with seen. The lime green and all that stuff. Uh, that was awful. I mean, the the Vipers have cool red and black. They just stank. <laughs> I mean, see, <laughs> cool jerseys, terrible football team. It works out. Yeah. I, mean, I guess the Bears have all right jerseys, too. So. Seattle, Seattle, I just, I've never been a fan of orange. I it, hate the Bears' orange okay. uniforms. But, but that, with that the green. green lantern green. Orange and green, it just, like, it doesn't work It doesn't. Me. It just looks like puke. Yeah. Like, whenever I see something that's orange and green, it just looks like if you, if it were, if you were to taste it, it just wouldn't taste good. <laughs> I mean... The only reason why they probably had to choose orange and green is because, one, Arlington already had the baby blue, but also the Seattle Krakens, their NHL team, already had baby blue and dark blue. I would have just went with that. Yeah, with every other, because the Mariners are that color, too. They got, like, that turquoise. I would have done, like, maybe, like, purple and blacks. It's like a dragon, like Night Fury, like How to Train Your Dragon. He had purple flames, blue flames. That would have been really dope, now that you say that out loud. Like like a navy blue and black. I think that would look cool. Yeah, or those like the black and orange maybe. I'd do black and orange. Black and, black and orange, orange would have been cool. Yeah, that, I could live with that. But what they got going on right now, I wouldn't <laughs> touch those with a thirty-nine and a half foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to the last game of the XFL weekend, 
we have my Arlington Renegades falling Ooh. to the Houston Roughnecks. Yay. Um, hey. <laughs> you know, with this team, Drew Plitt, I don't know who this dude is, but he, he went is to just, Ball State. <laughs> exactly. He went to Ball State, and he is the starting quarterback of this team. When we have preseason legend Kyle Sloter yeah. sitting on the bench. Kyle Sloter's a dog. Dude, he should have he should have had a roster spot with the Vikings that one year where he was going off and they just screwed him out of it. That he was, was with awful. the Bears at one point. Uh-huh. Would have been better than Peterman and that Boyle guy and <laughs> any of the eighteen dudes even we had to bring in. <laughs> or Andy Dalton. Yeah. Yeah, they need to start him as soon as possible. I don't know I don't know why they're going with this Drew Plitt. Not good. Their offensive line is also one of the worst ones in the league. Mm-hmm. They cannot. It is tough to watch them. Bro. Yeah, it's it's rough. Plitz getting hit pretty hard. And Your defense is solid. The defense is actually really good. Yeah. They're fun to watch. They that's get an energetic de- defense. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is that they just go after it all the time. They just don't have an offense. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, over to the Roughnecks, you put them as your number one team in the league. What what makes this team so good? And do you think this is kind of a runaway number one, or are they close? I wouldn't say a runaway, but they looked bad. I mean, they smacked the Guardians week one. They won week two in a tough game. They got they got two good quarterbacks. I like Cole McDonald coming out of Hawaii. I, I thought he was going to be their starter, but now he's just like they're kind of like their running quarterback that was missing opportunities. Brandon Silvers out of Troy looks pretty solid. I mean, he he did some legit things. He was he set like a freshman record for completion percentage in the entire country at Troy at seventy percent. He he's legit. He has good experience in college. He's good. I mean. The Max Borgie was like a dollar store CMC. He's pretty good. I thought he would have gotten a spot in the NFL out of college, out of Washington State. He was, you know, Mike Leach, one of Mike Leach's boys, mm-hmm. RIP. Uh, I think their defense is solid. I just think they're an overall good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from from what I'm watching, they just they're kind of in that same room as the defenders and those teams that kind of just started to find that identity that they need with with the guys that they have not trying to force it onto their star players but just kind of actually trying to build an offense and you know actually try to just make a team versus two players and then a bunch of guys like a lot of these other teams are doing um and i think because of that and because they do it so well and that they have these dudes like max Borg is a dog he's gonna get a big shot i think he's he's the pj walker of this this group of guys. I think there's just something about them that teams are going to see and just like, we need a guy like that. We need a Rex Burkhead type of guy, which is what I think he could fill that role in the NFL. And that Rex Burkhead stuck around for a while now. He's so. there for like a decade. You got a couple big deals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think the Renegades got to figure out the offensive line, got to figure out what we're doing at quarterback. You know, I think you put in Kyle Sloter, that fixes the run game a little bit. You know, he's a much better athlete than how <laughs> Plitt. Um, you know, I think I think the Renegades aren't the worst team in the league. They're definitely middle of the pack. Uh, they got to play a little better. The Roughnecks, they're they're up there. I think that's that's the team to beat right now. Exactly. Who's your offensive player of the week for the XFL? I gotta go with AJ McCarron. I mean, legacy drive in front of his kids. He turned down four million <laughs> for sixty thousand so his kids could see him play. That's not something that I would do, but I guess he's just a different type of guy. <laughs> I don't know. F them kids. And, uh, you know, back-to-back game-winning drives. He has three touchdown passes on the season, no picks. He's been able to run the ball a little better than I thought he would. Go with A.J. McCarron. 
Josh, who you got? The running back from the D.C. Defenders, the Smith kid, really good running back. No matter the conditions, he can run. So that's the way I'm taking. I'm going to go Wisconsin legend, Jack Cohn. You know, he's three touchdowns. He did have the fumble, but he's efficient. He's playing well with a team that's not super strong around him, but no team it really is in this league. He's doing what he can. Uh, secondly, defensive player of the week. Defensive player of the week, I'd have to go with uh, Michael Joseph. I mean, back-to-back weeks, I think he's played very well. He had a very strong week one. I think he looks the part. He somehow was on the Bears for like four years, and I never knew about him. He's just one of those guys that kind of just lingers in the corner, you know, in a hoodie, but kind of a dog. Mm-hmm. I think he's been the best corner in the league. And I'll go with him. I was going to give the Will Hill, but not enough. <laughs> he'll get it one of these weeks. Will Hill, baby. He'll, he'll end up being the defensive player of the year. I'm calling it. The GOAT. Josh, your defensive player of the week. What was the guy's name for Boston College that you were looking at? Oh, Maximilian. Oh. Maximilian Roberts. Yeah, him from the Vipers. He had two. He had two sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, our defense is good. I mean, he adds a nice touch to it. But yeah, that's who I'm taking for my defensive player of the week. Yeah, my defensive player is going to be Lakeel London. He forced two fumbles for Bears the St. Louis Battlehawks and a Bears legend. <laughs> Always got to shout out our boys and the Bears legends. Um, exactly your donkey of the week. Donkey of the week. My opinion would just be the Guardians' offense. I mean, they just—it looks like a JV team that doesn't get along. They cannot run the ball. They cannot protect the quarterback. They have both quarterbacks have not played well. They have no coaching, and they just do not look good. Josh, who do you got for your donkey of the week? Ben DiNucci. Um, like I said, you know, he's—he goes off at sometimes. He looks like a really good quarterback at sometimes, but. I feel like he just, he always has a plan to just mess it up. <laughs> like, he, he can get it going for his team so well, but I feel like he always has a plan to just drop it, drop the ball. So. And finally, my uh, donkey of the week, I'm probably going to just, Guardians head coach, man. That was just rough to watch him throw his entire team under the bus. I get it, they're bad, but, like, that's your team, dude. You're getting yeah. paid to coach these dudes. Yeah. Like. Stand up for them a little bit. Um, yeah, ben DiNucci's like that Eric Andre meme where it's like he shoots Hannibal, then it's like, who killed Hannibal? <laughs> That's what he is. It's like, who killed the sea dragons? Oh, yeah, I killed the sea dragons. <laughs> um, and then your big man of the week, exactly. Yeah, with the D.C. defenders O-line, it's that they by far have looked like the best offensive line. They can consistently blow people off the ball and run block very well, even against a good front, even with a guy like, uh, Vic Beasley, you know, former All-Pro, not that long ago. Uh, I've got to go with them. Mm-hmm. Josh, your big man of the week? Probably go with my Vegas Vipers D-line, you know. They keep us in games most of the time, but, you know, when you got a quarterback who's tossing the game, um, it's hard to, you know, keep him off the field, and it probably – Probably why we lost the game, a lot of fatigue and, you know, getting ran on a lot by the D.C. Defenders uh, running back. So, so I'm taking. Yeah. Um, you know, mine's going to be the St. Louis Battlehawks defensive line. Like I said, LaCale London forced two fumbles. The D-line also recovered both of those fumbles. You know, I think that takes a 
you know, a lot of energy to do. They didn't really get any sacks, but they, they were there the whole game. You just knew that they didn't have to get sacks to be influencers on this game, and they were a big part of that game for this team. All right, we're going to take another quick break here. When we come back, we're going to do a uh, draft preview or a combine preview for you guys a little bit uh, for the NFL draft coming up, uh, and then talk a little bit more about March Madness, continue what we were talking about last week. We'll be right back. We all You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE. Alright, folks, we are back from that quick break. This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And you're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show. If you are just tuning in, you just missed us have one of our food battles and talk about the XFL weekend. We are now going to be moving over to the NFL a little bit and the NFL Draft Combine. Um, We're getting a little closer here. Are there any guys that are standing out to you as we get closer, maybe names that you hadn't heard before that are starting to get some recognition? How are you feeling about this combine? Who who do you think is going to show out? First off, I'm just very glad the Bears aren't going to trade Justin Fields and that we are going to trade the first overall pick. But in terms of the combine – uh, Zay Flowers has put on 13 pounds of muscle since the end of the season. I think that's very impressive. I think that's a guy who can go, go from early second round to mid-first round as a receiver out of Boston College. Not very often we get Boston College guys, but we've had a few the last few years. Uh, he's going to stick out. I mean, I think Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are going to absolutely tear up the combine. I think one of those two might end up going number one overall based on how they throw the ball at the combine and how they measure up and all that. Those two are going to stick out. Uh, really would like to see Brian Breesey. He's a guy that some people could have going in the second round, some people have going in the top ten. I don't really know. I don't feel too great about him. Uh, I mean, Tyree Wilson, the only thing he can do is bench because he did hurt his foot. So that, that guy's a physical freak. If he was healthy, he would have probably maybe jumped over Will Anderson maybe. I'd like to see John Carter's not going to work out the combine either. He's just waiting for his pro day. So those are guys we can cross off the list. Uh, other than that, I mean, I'd like to see how Stetson Bennett does just because I'm a fan of him. I think he can maybe turn some heads. I think he throws the ball a lot better than people give him credit for. Uh, some of the offensive line, uh, I think Paris Johnson's going to have a good combine. He's very athletic. Same with Skaronsky. I think he'll put up some good numbers on the bench press. Uh, I really would like to see Osiris Torrance just because he was a very dominant transfer from Louisiana to Florida. He was the number one lineman at the Senior Bowl. I'd like to see him. Uh, maybe some guys that I think could really help themselves. This one receiver out of Princeton. Oh, I, have, his, I have his name right yeah. here. Uh, Andre Isovias. Yes, I mean, he, from what I heard, he's an athletic specimen. He's obviously very smart. He went to Princeton, so he'll do good on the Wonderlick. Uh, I would also like to see who does really bad on the Wonderlick, that's always funny. <laughs> <clears throat> and, yeah, that's who I have so far. Um, you know, one name I wanted to watch out for, and it's Hercules. Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. That man is just a freak of nature. That's what I was going to say. That's that's what I was just about to talk about. If you were to go to me, like, yeah, I agree with you. That guy is an animal. He's 
rip shredded. He had an amazing season last year, this last season, because of this Iowa defense. This Iowa defense was really good. Their offense just could not get it done, which was unfortunate because they would have been a really nice football program. But that guy himself is an animal. He is raw. Um, you know, I, there's there's very few guys in the NFL who look like he does. And he's about to go into the NFL. Like, I I don't understand. Like, like it's just crazy to see the evolution of players going into the combine over these past, like, 10 years even. Guys didn't look like this going into the draft. And now we have guys like him. We got guys like Tyree uh, Wilson, who's just massive as well. And it's just like, where are these guys coming from? Um, and, you know, exactly, what what would you attribute a lot of, you know, this over-preparedness almost for getting ready for the NFL? Where, where's stuff changing in college football? I just think strength and conditioning has gotten a lot better. It's something that, you know, back in the day, strength and conditioning coaches get paid ten grand a year. Now they're getting paid $2 million a year. It's something that's been taken a lot more serious. You got guys that, you know, have been doing this since they were 14, 15 years old. It's just what it is now i mean people are a lot bigger than they used to be there's a lot more different stuff in our food good or bad uh i just think people are really paying attention to it more it's more so an athleticism league more than it's ever been before just based off now quarterbacks are runners used to be they used to be standstill pocket passers uh you know we got these smaller running backs that are no longer being ridiculed because of their size it's just a much faster less more so league plus the you know the rules have changed with how you can hit players. Now players are more faster, a little more dynamic, less just beef. I think that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about some of the guys that we think are going to surprise us. How about surprising us negatively? Who do you think is going to, you know, maybe fall off a little bit because of the combine? I think, think Jigba is going to run slow, but I don't think that will really – that's not going to hurt him in the NFL. It will just hurt him on that day. Think he's gonna run slow. Uh, maybe like some linebackers. That's usually how it goes. They run a little slow and they fall like three rounds. Uh, other than that, no one really sticks out to me too much. Maybe a guy like Richardson misses some throws. Maybe that's about it. I mean, the only thing Bryce Young is doing is weighing in. So if he doesn't, you know. That's if they pull Kyler Murray and lie about his height. No one's going to be really impressed. He said he was going to try to get 200 before the combine and see if he was able to do that. But no one as of right now, it's usually surprises. Like, no one thought Orlando Brown was going to bench press 225 14 times. That's terrible. I think it will just, we'll just have to see. Um, you know, guys like Bryce Young who aren't really competing and with how people view pro days now i think a few years ago people were putting so much you know emphasis on the pro days and they saw guys like josh rosen compete in a pro day who did a really good pro day and then sucked in the nfl and you know other guys that are kind of in that same realm um do you think that just because bryce young isn't going to do much of the combine that could possibly drop him out of that number one pick contention especially when you know like you were saying you felt guys like anthony richardson or will levis could you know, overtake that spot if they perform well. I think it's possible. I mean, everyone likes Will Levis. It's just his film is not good. But if he goes out and he does like, you know, it has the Zach Wilson effect, the Trubisky effect, and goes out and they're nice, you know, 
white quarterback, I think that could happen. I don't think it should happen, but I think it could. And do you think because of guys like Trubisky and Zach Wilson, who on film also didn't really look amazing, but then had all right pro days and stuff like that, do you think that will deter people from Will Levis at all? No. I think I could see him going number one overall. I could see him being picked at pick number 10. It's just if he passes all the tests, has a good combine, a good pro day, I think it will help him. But he kind of already wrote how it was going to go for him by not doing the senior bowl, by not doing the bowl game. A lot of people are going to be asking questions about that in the interviews. Why didn't you do that? Well, you had two opportunities to go and show you were the best quarterback in this draft, and you said, no, I don't want to do that. Now we got to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, those pre-draft interviews and the combine interviews, I think people don't put enough emphasis on those. That is one of the most important tests of the combine is how people – go through those interviews you know people have talked about it a lot some of the questions they get asked aren't aren't great questions but reporters are told to do that on purpose that's always fun like for example a couple of them were when jerry skice was in there and so supposedly one of the guys from the team asked if his mom was a stripper so that's always fun uh for example jeff okudia when he i believe that was him when he was being interviewed they uh the reporter said that he was very sloppy with his hand that led to a lot of pass interference calls. And in that season, he had one pass interference call. And, like, that reporter was never heard from again. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that part is always kind of fun to see what they ask him. Like, you know, are you, would you rather be a cat or a dog? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. That, th- that always leads to some funny stories, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then going further into the draft, and let's let's talk about the Bears for a little bit. Uh, it's pretty much confirmed that they're trading this pick. Do you think that heightens the value of the pick for the Bears or lowers the value now that people kind of know the direction that they're planning on going? It heightens the value because now everyone's going to be thinking, Bears say, oh, this guy gave me that really good off. You know, you got to up it. Or this guy wants this. And this, It's only going up from here. What What do you think the ceiling of this pick is return-wise for the Bears and what do you think the ideal trade would be then for that? Firstly, my ideal trade is obviously, I think, if I, what I would do if I were them, I would trade back with the Texans and then with the Colts. Go from one to two to four. Now, what you get from the Texans would be the second, the 12th, and I saw maybe even like a Brandon Cooks, Laramie Tunsil. I don't think you could get Laramie Tunsil from it, especially if the Texans yeah. are planning on drafting a quarterback. I don't think that, but maybe at least if we can get a two and a 12 and a second, I would take that in a heartbeat. And then go to two to four, you get the fourth overall pick from the Colts, and you can still pick Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, one of those two. And then you get maybe an even like a another second and third, and then maybe a 24 second-round pick. I think that would be great. And if you really wanted to be crazy, trade down to seven, and then just pick like Paris Johnson at seven, and get even more. Just own day two and three of the draft. And, yeah. Josh, what would you – feel the best trade would be um i feel like the best trade for us is probably one and four trading with the colts probably getting maybe a michael pittman or like i like i've been saying week in and week out um quentin nelson um just trading with them getting establishing the o-line but also establishing our d-line getting will anderson or jalen carter or even a braden smith from indianapolis yeah, so, I mean, 
there there's a lot we can do, but I think trading with the Colts probably first before the Texans would be better because I mean maybe the Texans might give the Colts something better and then we can like trade back or whatever because I mean Ryan Poles is gonna go crazy. He is. He's he showed us a master class when he was in Kansas, and I feel like he's about to put on another one. Even last year, he turned five picks into eleven. We had a top ten, top eight draft class with, without a first round pick. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like right now, Poles is like salivating from the mouth because I believe he has at least six teams waiting to call him, and trying to throw everything they have just to get that number one because a lot of people are desperate right now. Mm-hmm. Um. With, you know, what you guys are saying and that the value of this pick is going to go up, would you take Devontae Adams from the Raiders for this pick? Do we get pick number eight as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I would, yeah. You pick him and then you get Paris Johnson, your offense is set. That's what I would do personally if we were to trade with the Raiders. Maybe even a second rounder, then we go, you know, fix the defensive line. We can do that more so in free agency, probably make a – Javon Hargrave and Draymond Jones, that'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you value more from the Bears' perspective, Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins if you could get him? Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins is a couple years older. He does have a PD, PD issue, you know. Plus, you know, Devontae Adams already has a familiarity with Luke Getzey. That's his guy. It's his favorite coach. Pair that with he already knows the offense. That just makes him better. He had a better season this year, and I think we'd have to probably give up less, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't know if we would have to give up less, per se. I think we'd just get more in return. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not trading number one overall pick for Devontae, for DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not doing that with the Cardinals. The would Cardinals you, aren't going to do that. Would you trade the second pick for DeAndre Hopkins? Maybe. I'd have to think really long and hard about yeah. that one, honestly. Plus, Hopkins wants a new deal. Yeah. He's that, already getting paid $27 million a year. Do I really want to give $30 million to a receiver who's 31? At least Devontae is 29. He, I feel he just has more in the tank. And plus, it really does help already knowing the offense. That you know, that will provide a faster start to the season. It would just be better. The, the only argument I would give for DeAndre Hopkins over Devontae Adams is I feel, first of all, that when DeAndre Hopkins played last year, it didn't look like he lost a step. Yeah, he, he looked he looked good. really good. Yeah. And I also feel like he'll fit better with a guy like Justin Fields versus a guy like Devontae Adams. I think what Devontae Adams, a lot of his best stuff comes with his route running. That's, that's where he is topping his game. Whereas a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, is his best part of his game is that catch radius and that ability to catch anything that gets thrown his way. With a guy like Justin Fields, who is always on the run, um, you know, always, you know, I wouldn't say always, but a lot of the times when he is on the run and when he's throwing the ball, he's not the most accurate passer. Having a guy like DeAndre Hopkins to be there and be, you know, open anywhere on the field just because of the strength, the width of his catch radius, um, I would I would value that a little more than Devontae's route running for a team like the Chicago Bears. Now, overall, I think Devontae Adams is the better receiver. Yeah. I think in any other offense, you would want Devontae Adams. I think in the Bears' offense, you would rather have Devon, or DeAndre Hopkins, in my personal opinion. 
Yeah, I do get that, but you still have Claypool. That's going to be our high ball guy, and same with Komet. I, I just hate I hate Claypool, but... What we saw from Claypool. I hate Claypool, but we need him. If he can just go back to what he was in his rookie, that'd be awesome. Pair that with Mooney, a full year of Mooney, that'd be awesome. With Komet, who I think is the top 10 tight end in this league, that just already with guys in the house looks pretty good. Now we add a guy like Devontae or DeAndre, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. With this run game that we have, I feel... I don't feel like we're going to resign David Montgomery. I feel like we're going to take running back in the third or fourth round, maybe like a Zach Charbonnet, a Zach Evans from Ole Miss. Uh, the, the dude out of um, Tulane, Ty, Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah. He's good. Or maybe the guy out of TCU, mm-hmm. Tyree Wilson or something. What's his name? I, oh, the dude from Tulane. I think Ty, Tyree something, too. Yeah. But, yeah, he's good. Do you, then do hey, you last think... time we had a Tulane running back, Matt Forte. Mm-hmm. And Matt Forte is one of my favorite players of all time, so. Then do you think that how we're talking about how, you know, second, third round we get this, like we draft a running back, no no matter from Tulane or wherever, we get a good running back. Do you think we're out of the talks with Saquon then? I wouldn't say we're out of the talks, but it takes us a little farther. Nah, we'd be talks. out because we got Herbert. I mean, I just, I, I, I know I've seen what Herbert does. I'm still not convinced he's franchise running. You know, the thing is, though, you look at the, all the last teams that won the Super Bowl. Have they had elite running backs? No, but they've also had elite quarterback. And yeah, but even like elite offensive lines and defense. Even like the Eagles when they won it, they had JGI who was kind of eh, and they had Legarrette Blunt, or just teams that are in the conference championship games. Like, yeah, they had Christian McCaffrey, but you know. Joe Mixon isn't that good, in my opinion. I, I think you're underrating Joe Mixon. I don't know. I, I Joe Mixon's a top six back in the league. I don't. I've I just never been a fan. Look at a lot of playoff teams other than the Giants. They don't really have great running backs. So I don't think it's a position we need to invest that much capital to. I think you just get Herbert and then like a third and fourth rounder, we'd be that's a top ten backfield in the league. I, I think you just gotta make sure that the rest of the team is solid at least. Though. Yeah. That, that's but Herbert, Herbert has averaged six yards carry mm-hmm. behind this terrible offensive line. So he's already kind of showed that he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be fine with Saquon. It's just he's going to want at least 12 mil. I mean, we, we've said this on the show before, though. What's 10 mil to the 250 that the Bears have to spend, though? Yeah. That's, that's the other issue with this. Like, at one point, it's kind of like, you, why not? We kind of have to spend the money. Might as well go get one of the best players in the league at their position. Yeah. And, I mean, if you can do that, you you know, maybe you get them on, like, are able to get them on, like, a two-year deal or something, two-year with an option or something. Then you can still draft, you know, a guy in the third or fourth round to kind of be there. And then you're also still planning head for Kula Herbert possibly leaving in the future on a bigger deal because he can do that. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we're out of Saquon Barkley, but I – like I said, I think we got to take a step back, you know, a little bit because of that. But because of the money and because of just the talent he is, you can't 100% be out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, we only got about 10 minutes left in the show here. Uh, we usually do a draft. This week, our draft is going to be uh, our top three combine performances. Josh, you won the draft poll last week. Who are you taking with your first-round pick? Of top 
uh, combine performances. Vernon Davis. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm reading this as I talk. Uh, he had a really eye-popping 4-3-40, a sub-4-4, a 6-4-255 tight end coming from Maryland. I mean, he, he had a really good um, really good draft. Wow, draft. Uh, combine performance, and I mean, he did get drafted six overall by San Fran, and I mean, as from as far as I remember, he was a really good tight end from in the NFL. I love Vernon Davis. He was one of my favorite players. Yeah, in the so I mean, because he was such an athlete. Yeah, and I mean, being that big and running a sub four four, that's that's insane. Exactly. Who's your first round pick? I go with John Ross. I mean, he set the combine record for forty, and he won like an island in Fiji because of it. <laughs> I think that's very impressive. Obviously, he didn't have a great NFL career. He's been very injury-prone. He's looked good at times, but just never got there. Uh, but I'd have to go with that. I mean, I don't think their record's ever going to be broken. Yeah. I'm going to go with the number two in that category. Chris Johnson's going to be my first-round pick. You know, he had the record for the longest time for fastest 40. Uh, got beat out by John Ross. Um, and the biggest difference is, Chris Johnson was able to go on and have a really good NFL career, CJ2K. Um, and what he did then, and, you know, nowadays dudes are just running that fast. Like, there's guys who are beating Chris Johnson's record. They're not getting to, you know, John Ross yet, but they're, they're beating that. Um, when he did it, that was unheralded. Nobody's seen somebody run that fast. Like, that, and it just, it looked insane when he did it. Um, and, again, he just ended up being a really solid NFL player, too. So, I give the edge to him in that. Josh, who's your second-round pick? Um, let's take it here. Let's see. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow had a really good um, combine performance. Um, you know, he he did a really good workout with everything. And, I mean, he had a really solid 40-yard dash for being 240 pounds at the time. I mean, Tim Tebow is a great quarterback. Um, you can't shoot him down. So that's what I'm taking. Exactly. Who's your second? Going with Don Terry Poe. He was like 340, ran like a 498. I mean, he went from like a third-round pick to a top-10 pick. I think it was just like an ultra-impressive performance. I'd have to give it to him. My second-round pick, uh, also an all-time legend running back, I'm going to give it to Bo Jackson. Uh, if you watched his 30-for-30 30 30 on ESPN – he unofficially has the fastest 40 time ever with a 4.12, which is just absurd. Uh, they didn't actually clock it. Uh, that was his unofficial, so nobody really knows if it was 100% true. But if that is 100% true, that just is only a little sliver into the type of athlete he was. And when you watch that man play, I think no matter what you saw in the combine, he was going to kill it just because he was that insane of an athlete. Josh? Your last pick in this draft? Oh, let's see here. Otito Ojabania. Uh, he was a D-tackle at UCLA. Um, he holds the current record for bench press um, since 2022. Um, so last season uh, combine. But, I mean, he's been really good for the Chargers here and there. So that's what I'm taking. Exactly. I have to go with the man who... Just broke the record, Stephen Paya, and he had 59 on the bench, or 58, something like that. It was insane. I remember watching that live. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, that. 
with the final pick in the draft, I'm going to stick with the big man theme. I'm going to go Teron Armstead. He has the yeah. fastest 40 time for a tackle with a 4.71, which is absurd for a man who was 306 pounds at the time. That was impressive because he was the first one to run it cause alphabetically. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Arkansas Pine Bluff. He just, mm-hmm. and, like, oh, he's getting drafted high. <laughs> and, you know, he's another guy who showed out in the NFL once he got there. And a lot of that had to do with what he did in the combine. Um, that's going to do it for our draft today. We'll put something on our Instagram story. You guys can pull, choose who won our draft this week. All right, folks, that is going to do it for the Blue Jay Boys tonight. Um, if you missed tonight's show or missed part of tonight's show, don't worry. We're going to be putting it on Spotify in a couple of hours. Uh, it's also going to be on Amazon Music and on the RSS feed. If you can't find it on either of those or don't have any of those, it's free on the RSS feed. Um, next week, we'll have another great show for you guys. Same time, same place, 8 to 10, Tuesday nights. I wanted just to thank you guys again for being loyal listeners. It was a huge honor this weekend for our show and for the station. So, you know, it's I'm so proud of us as a team. I'm proud of, you know, our fans for keeping with us and listening to us grow. Um, it's just been an awesome experience, and we have, you know, a whole nother year of this left. So stay tuned for all of that. All right, folks, we'll see you next week.